Happy Sunday, everybody. Good morning to you. Uh, my name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church, and that's where you are, although it's not exactly where I am. I'm in my office right now, but uh, God bless you guys. This isn't what I would have chosen. I was away at youth camp last week. I was at Camp Crossings, had a wonderful time preaching to teenagers. I preached my throat out at camp, um, came back, uh, tested positive for COVID, y'all. I, I skated through the pandemic. I'm like the one guy who didn't get it, and then I got it. Uh, so this is where I am today. I, I am not feeling sick. Uh, thank the Lord. Uh, my throat likes to cough. I, I have a cough right now, but other than that, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm just still under quarantine. Today, Sunday, is my last day of quarantine, so I'm really not free to be with you. Uh, so I... It's not that I don't think anybody can preach to you but me, but, but I wanted to deliver today's message. So forgive this, you know, that, that it's on a screen, that, that it's not perfect quality. Um, it's, it's the best I could do for today, but uh, I, 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 feel like, I feel like this is a message that God wants me to, to deliver today. And I, I just want to preach to you today. So um, let's make the best of this. Will you? I'll do my very best today. I promise you I am. And I ask you to do your best as well. What, what we're going to lack in preaching quality or delivery, you know, presence, all of that is gone today. You're going to have to add in listening. You're going to have to be very good listeners today. And, and part of that is I just want to ask you, if you normally talk back to me, then talk back to me today. If you normally say amen, say amen. Uh, again, it, obviously it's not for me. You're talking to a screen, but not really. You're doing that for one another. So encourage, you know, preach on, amen, you know, preach it, whatever you want to say, if you would normally say that, because again, that's helpful to one another. It reminds you that you're in a preaching moment, in a, in a, in a public worship moment, and it adds more to the worshiping and listening uh, environment if you'll be more active listeners and not, and don't just sit back, you know, like you're watching the news, all right? So, so do that for one another, and let's make the best of uh, of this morning. I, I love you. I, I would much rather be with you, but at this point, you don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want to be with your COVID pastor. So here I am uh, from my office. If you've never been in the pastor's office, this is it. This is what it looks like. And uh, if this looks familiar, probably you're one of the folks that watches me on Tim with Tim every day, Monday through Friday. And, and if you're not doing that tomorrow, I start a new study verse by verse through the book of First John, 10 minutes a day, on Facebook or YouTube, pick your channel and, uh, and and walk through the Word of God with me every single day. I do it from this chair, and uh, and uh, again, I, I talk to my phone as I'm doing right now. So again, I, I would love to have you join me every day. It's uh, just a way of keeping one another in the Word. But but today is Sunday, and today uh, I want to preach from Luke chapter 11. So turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. At the end of last year, I presented to you, uh, shared with you this Mission One document. It's what I feel like the, the best way to, to describe uh, this next phase of our church's mission and purpose. And for most of this year, every sermon I've preached, you could draw a straight line straight back to what I feel like God is saying to us in, in the Mission One uh, vision. And so today, I want to start a new series called People of Prayer and again, it's another sermon series that's going to come straight out of this Mission One vision. Let me remind you of that vision. Uh, and, and if you have a copy of the document, 
uh, read with me under that envisioned future. This isn't so much what we are, God, God help us, but it's what we want to be. And so I want to read the whole little paragraph to you, but listen for the words that, that describe our habits of praying, okay? So from the Mission One document, the envisioned future, we are a body of believers characterized by supernatural unity and sacrificial love. We are people of prayer, dependent upon the Holy Spirit who guides and empowers his church on mission. As a congregation, we share common vision, clear direction, and we communicate priorities in great commission terms. Every individual believer has a strong sense of being missionally placed by God wherever they are, and together we function as a trained force ushering in the kingdom of Christ in the world. We do whatever it takes to carry the gospel every day to everybody everywhere, accepting the biblical mandate for mission that reaches from the hyper-local to the uttermost destinations. From oldest to youngest, members of the church family are bold in verbal witness, fervent in prayer, obedient in going, and generous in giving. Strategically, we prioritize evangelism with a bias toward church planting, locally, in the continental U.S. and around the globe. Nevertheless, we ensure that the local community gets the most of us and the best of us for the sake of Christ. Yeah, that's the vision. I, I wish that I could read that and say, man, that's who we are right now, but, but, but it is more the sense of this is who we're becoming. And, and part of that is the language of prayer. We must become a people of prayer. Now, now I know you pray, you know I pray, um, th that's not the question, but, but I want us to grow deeper in our lives of prayer for, for a, a couple of simple reasons. First off, if God's not leading you in ordinary things, then he can't lead you in extraordinary things. And the mission one vision, the mission one uh, plan um, is, is our response to God's calling us to do extraordinary things. But if you and I aren't listening every day, and, and if I, in my personal life, <clears throat> don't have the Lord leading me in ordinary ways, in ordinary things, then how can he possibly lead me to lead you to do extraordinary things? And, 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 and all of this, you understand what I'm saying? God can't do through you what you're not allowing him to do in you. And your life of prayer is going to reflect the degree to which you are going to God, surrendered to God, and listening for instructions. Does that make sense? The other thing I would say is that before we can be faithful to the purpose, we have to be faithful to the person. I'll say that again. Before we can be faithful to the purpose, we have to be faithful to the person. The person is Jesus. And what I'm saying is, um, all of this depends upon our faithfulness to Jesus, our relationship to Jesus. Now, in that mission one sentence on prayer, you notice there are three things, three powerful words that have to do with our prayer lives. They are dependency, guidance, and power. Dependency, guidance, and power. Now, dependency, dependence, it comes from the root, the word that has to do with hanging. So in other words, to say that we're dependent upon God, it means every part of me just hangs on God, which means if I let go, I fall. 
And so your life is dependent upon God. Everything hangs upon God. And in our church, our mission, everything that we share together, everything hangs on God. We're dependent upon him. If we let go of him, if we don't have a vital connection to him, we fall. You with me? So there's dependency, there's guidance, and there's power. And these things come only through prayer. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to take a couple of weeks, and I just want us to focus on our prayer lives, our private prayer lives, and then the life of prayer that we share together, okay? So with that, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Is this okay? I mean, is this working? Um, can I hear you say amen? We'll work on that, okay? Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13, one of the most famous passages of Jesus talking about prayer, um, uh, Let's just jump right in. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, well, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. <clears throat> but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Get that? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see that right there? It's, it's a, a little secret there, but right there, Jesus reveals the answer to every prayer. The answer to every prayer. Um. To be honest, I'd rather be a, a good prayer. I'd rather be good at praying than to be good at preaching. I, I say that and I mean that, but in my life, I'm not sure it always reflects that. I sure spend a whole lot more time preaching and getting ready to preach sometimes than, than I do in prayer. God help me, and, and I ask you all to forgive me. You need me to be faithful in praying because everything depends upon that. Remember what I just said? Everything hangs upon God and, and, and our relationship of dependency before him. And 
And my prayer life reflects that. So often I act as if things aren't dependent upon God, as if everything doesn't hang upon him. And for that reason, I don't always pray as I should. Uh, as a dad, I used to play a game with Wade. Dads, we all play this game. I, I, I think you know, you got, say, pennies in your hand for your kids, you know. And so you sort of, you know, josh them so they know they're there. And then, and then the kid comes up because he knows that you've got pennies in your hand now for him, right? And so... And so your little girl, your little boy, you know, starts, you know, kind of prying, trying to pry your fingers open, you know, to, to get to those pennies. And, you know, they, they work and they pry. And it's kind of fun. It's a, they're just kids, right? And it's just a game, right? But, but you know, they, they, they work and work to pry those pennies out of your hand. And I think lots of times our prayers are approached in that way. It's like the words or, or the work that we have to do to try to pry good things out of, out of the hand of the Lord. And, and that, that attitude in itself, it, it, it reflects an attitude about prayer, but I would call it a, a transactional attitude. In other words, we approach prayer like it's a transaction. In other words, I'm going to give something to get something. It's a transaction. I, I give prayer in order to get something from God. I use my prayer to pry good things out of his fingers. But, but I, I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, prayer is not primarily transactional. If it's transactional at all, I would go so far as to say prayer in Jesus's name is not transactional by nature. It's not transactional. It's relational. It's, it's, it's personal. In other words, it's, it's not about getting good things from God. It's just about knowing God and, 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 and loving God. Prayer is above all things it's the enjoyment of a relationship. It, it, it's not, you know, just talking to Jesus. It is, but it's being with Jesus. It's, it's listening to Jesus. It's, it's a relationship. Every friendship, every marriage, every healthy relationship is, is based on communication. We, we talk to each other. And, and if it's a loving relationship, you love talking to one another. And prayer is that. It's, it's the engagement, it's the enjoyment of relationship. Prayer is relational. Now, when I say that, I'd go on to say, you probably pray more than you realize. I, I know a lot of us, we have a really a, a churchy idea of what prayer is. And so since we're not always in church and since what we do in our private life with God doesn't always look or sound like what they do at church, then we don't associate a lot of what, of what happens in our spiritual life with prayer, but I want you to know that's what it is. You pray more than you realize. Uh, there is just this, this connection. There is this, this hunger, this, this thirst, this longing in your heart. I don't care who you are. And in some cases, it doesn't even matter if you're an actual believer. There is this image of God in you. There is this part of you, this e eternity in your heart that calls out to the eternal. You understand what I'm saying? You can't turn it off. There's just this, this, this part of you that continues to, to reach for and to cry out to God. And so all those times in a typical day when you just whisper, Lord, help me, you know, and sometimes it's barely conscious, but still you're just like, you know, Lord, help me or, or thank you, Jesus. I mean, you know, it, it's just these little, you know, it, like shooting off a flare, you know, <laughs> but, but it's a, it's a prayer. 
And in some ways, you don't even think much about it because that's not exactly the way, you know, all the deacons, you know, lead us in prayer at church. But, but, but make no mistake, it's, it, it's still prayer. What, what I'm saying is, I don't care who you are, there's a part of you that wants to pray. And there's a part of you that I would say just almost always is praying. And, and I just want you to understand that as we begin this conversation about, about your prayer life, <clears throat> I just want to remind you, there is a part of you that is drawn to prayer. But there is also this part of you that resists praying you you just won't withdraw from the world. You won't withdraw from your busyness. You won't withdraw from your schedule. You, you just won't slow down. You won't make time. And, and, and for that reason, you probably don't pray like you should. Now, I say you probably pray more than you think, but I'm also saying I, don't, I, I, I bet you don't pray like you should. See, here's the thing. You can pray anywhere and anytime. I know that, and you know that. You don't have to just be at church to pray. Surely you know that. And you don't have to wait for somebody to say, bow your head, close your eyes, let's pray. I mean, you can pray anywhere, anytime. Some of you say, Pastor Tim, I do most of my praying just driving down the road in the car. And I just talk to Jesus like he's in the seat next to me. And, and, and good, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. You can pray anywhere, anytime. But listen to me. The danger with that. I mean, the fact that you can pray anywhere at any time, the danger of that is that you will end up praying, you know, nowhere and no time. Because anything you can do anywhere all the time, the danger becomes you won't do it. And let's just be honest, a lot of us, although we could pray all the time, everywhere, we don't. And, and many of us come very close to, you know, barely praying at all. And that's not good. That's not normal for the healthy believer's life. The, 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 there, there's nothing about that that you should accept as, as the ordinary Christian life. So I love how the chapter begins. You know, Jesus had been in a certain place praying. Now, we don't get a lot of description about Jesus' personal prayer life. I, I, I want to... Uh, like the disciples at Gethsemane, I wish I could be close enough to hear him pray. I, I, I would love to have just, like if I could just, I, I would love to have seen Jesus talk to the Father, you, you know? But there's something about it because when he comes back, when uh, Jesus disappears to pray, when he comes back, the disciples say, will you show us how to do that? Teach us to pray. I mean, John the Baptizer taught his disciples and if he had something to say, we know you got something to say. So will you show us how to do that? Will you teach us how to pray? You know, I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus walked on water. And after that, they didn't say, would you teach us how to do that? Because I would, I would so want to know how to do that. You know, when Jesus, you know, uh, multiplies the loaves and the fishes, man, would you show me how to do that? When after the Sermon on the Mount, they didn't come and say, would you, would you give us preaching lessons? I mean, I mean, everything Jesus did was amazing, but it's, it's the prayer. It's his example in praying. It's when he prayed, they came back and say, we've got to know how to pray like you pray. And so Jesus says, okay, this is how you pray. Jesus gave lessons in prayer, which, which tells us one thing that, that, that should be obvious, and that is simply 
But prayer is something you can learn. It's something that you can learn and, and it's something that can be taught and <clears throat> in many ways understand we should always be learning to pray. Most of you know I've been a believer, uh, I can't say all my life, but since the age of six, which means, <clears throat> gosh, 51 years. I've, I've been praying to God, you know, for 50 years, but, <clears throat> sorry, my throat. I would say that in the last year, actually in, in 2022, um, I've learned some new things about prayer, my personal prayer life. And I'm not going to talk about that here, but I'd share it with you sometime. Um, I feel like I had a real breakthrough in, in my prayer life, and, and, and it's precious to me. Um, I, I learned ways of praying that helped me as an anxious person, not just pray my anxiety and pray my worry to God, but, but learn how to um, more restfully, peacefully, faithfully bring my empty heart to God and let him fill it. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just saying at 57, I'm still learning how to pray. And and I want you to be learning how to pray. I, I want us all to desire to grow in this most vital part of our life in Christ. This is the central nerve of your life in Christ. And so uh, we should always be learning to pray. So Jesus says, um, this is how you pray, our Father. You know, in many ways, I love that. Now, since it's the Lord's Prayer, and since we've all memorized this, our kids for Christ, you know, uh, you, you know, they, they do this every single Wednesday night. You, you know, our, our kids on Wednesday night, you know, do the Lord's Prayer, and we teach it to them. And if you're raised Catholic, you call it the Our Father. I mean, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. I mean, we have this prayer down pat, but I just want you to realize that this was probably never intended to be a prayer that you would, you know, pray, you know, by rote. It's probably not supposed to be a magic prayer that you memorize and pray like you're saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Jesus obviously taught this lesson more than once because it's the kind of thing people wanted to hear Jesus talk about. And Jesus gives a model prayer in several places. It sounds uh, along these lines. Uh, compare Luke chapter 11, for example, to I think it's Matthew chapter 6. Um, even when Jesus says the Lord's Prayer several times, in Scripture, he doesn't necessarily pray it the same way. So this isn't supposed to be like, you know, the only prayer you know. Now, if it is the only prayer you know, let me say this. You start here then, you know, because I firmly believe that Jesus intends for you to start where you are. You just start by talking to your Father. I think that's what he's saying. Pray like this, Father, you know. Just start talking to your Father. It's a relationship. And just like your child's never done a bad drawing in your eyes, like, you know, your kid could, you know, scratch out anything with a crayon and bring it to you and, you, and you're going to put it on the fridge and it's going to be there until he's 22. I mean, you know, he can't do a bad drawing in your eyes. And you cannot pray a bad prayer in the ears of your Heavenly Father. He loves you. Talk to him. Start with where you are. Pray as you can, not as you can. Don't get uptight about it. Now, the devil wants to stop you right here. He doesn't want you to pray. 
And so the devil is always there to whisper in your ear and tell you you're doing it wrong or telling you that, you, that this sounds dumb, that you don't pray like the people at church pray. You don't sound like, you don't sound like Pastor Tim. I mean, you know, you don't sound like anybody and, and, and you're just dumb. And that's what the devil will tell you. Why are you bothering? You know, your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, man. You feel anything? I don't feel anything either. Why don't you just quit? You, you know, this is the devil's voice and don't listen to it. You just pray. Just pray. As I say, you learn to pray. Most of us learn to pray by hearing other people pray. And that's why I say we have this churchy idea of, of how prayer should sound. Now that underlines how important it is when you or I are called to pray in public at church. Because others are listening and especially children, they will learn to pray by, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, imitating the prayers that they hear at church. The other way you learn to pray though is just by praying. Like everything else, you just pray. You just continue to exercise those muscles and you will get better. You will feel more confident, not just in, in, in lifting your voice to God, but you'll be more confident in discerning and hearing his voice. So, so we, we pray by hearing other, we learn to pray by hearing other people pray, but we also, <clears throat> we learn to pray by, by actually praying. You just pray. Now, as I'm still just speaking kind of, kind of generally, um, let me say this. And, and, and hear me now. In your prayer life, aim for ordinary experiences with the Lord. I can't stress this enough. And I've learned this in my life. Just aim for ordinary experiences. See, you want something to happen. You want a feeling. And we don't pray out of feeling. We pray out of faith. You just pray believing Sometimes I feel that God is near to me. Sometimes I feel like God is far away, but I don't pray out of a feeling of how close God is. I pray out of faith, the knowledge that although I may not feel it, God is with me. And though I can't necessarily, you know, sense it, I, I know that he hears me when I pray. And so you don't pray from feeling, you just pray from faith. And so with that, just aim for ordinary experiences. Now, in my life, I've eaten a lot of meals. I've eaten a whole lot of food. And some of my favorite meals are, are like Thanksgiving, you know, the feast where you got this roasted turkey, you know, basted with butter and, and, and stuffed, you know, with good things. Or turkey dressing, man. Did your grandmama make good dressing, you know, with gravy? Oh, my goodness. Y'all know me, man. Thanksgiving is all about sweet potato casserole. Oh, oh man, man. If I could have sweet potato casserole every meal of my life, <clears throat> you know, but... That's what I'm saying. You can't. Every meal is not turkey dressing and sweet potato casserole, pecan pie, you know. That's not what every meal is. I've had some amazing feasts in my life. When Casey and I took a cruise, you know, every meal on the cruise ship was just like, what? I mean, you know, it's insane. The food, the beautiful food, you know. But most of the food I've eaten in my life, it was not beautiful. You know, I've eaten a whole lot of bologna sandwiches in my life. You know, bologna on bread, you know, with mustard. You know, sometimes if we were fancy, we fried the bologna. <laughs> fried bologna is pretty good, y'all. But you know what I mean? I've eaten a whole lot of fried bologna and Lay's potato chips. You know, just plain old food. You know, I've eaten a whole lot of, you know, ramen noodles. A lot of ramen noodles in my life. All I'm saying is most of my meals were just meals. You know, like most days, lunch is just lunch. 
It ain't nothing to report. It's nothing to get excited about. But listen to me, I am completely nourished. So in your prayer life, you just aim for ordinary experiences. Sometimes prayer is is, is prayer and you talk to the Lord and, and you trust him and you just pray believing. There will be moments when you have these incredible mountaintop experiences with the Lord. You're gonna perhaps feel something. You'll feel revived. You'll know his presence, man. I mean, you just may have this ecstatic kind of experience. I, I have those, but rarely, rarely. Most of my prayer life is just, you know, uh, just sort of ordinary experiences day by day strung together. And, and I can't say f- for, you know, for real that, that every one of those prayers is some sort of, you know, you know, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, you, you know, but, but I'm telling you, I, I'm nourished in that prayer life. Oh, ordinary prayer. I'm saying just everyday prayer. Uh, that's what sustains your Christian life. You don't, don't, don't be looking for mountaintops. You'll have them. And when they come, it's a gift from God. Praise God for them. I was just at, you know, camp crossings. I had a mountaintop experience with teenagers, you know, last week. But, you know, that's not most weeks. It's not most days. It's just ordinary experiences with the Lord. You just keep putting those together and your heart will be nourished. Don't ever forget that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. The New Living Translation says, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. In other words, as you've heard me say, God's kingdom is wherever God is the king, right? Where he's on the throne. His kingdom is any place where he rules. And so you begin your prayer here by just simply surrendering to him. You surrender to him. In other words, you're saying, Lord, reign over me, rule over me. You know, I want you sitting on the throne of my heart. You know, so when you pray, understand you are the servant. He is the master. He is the king. And you just come and bow before him. And and it's you listening for instructions. Lord, you're going to rule over me. You have the authority to command my life. So command me, direct me, you know, order my steps. This is prayer. Now, I know, as I said earlier, we think of prayer as a way to, you know, pry things out of the Lord's hands, just try to pry good things out of his hand. But that's, as I say, not exactly what, what prayer is about, you know? It's not about just coming to God and you telling him what you want him to do. God, I need a job. God, my mama's sick. God, I, I'm in COVID quarantine. God, I, I got to have a throat to get through this sermon. You know, God, I need more money to get through the month. I mean, you know, we approach prayer as if God is the servant and we have arrived to tell him what to do. As if, you know, we're going to be the king of something and he's going to be the servant. And that's not how any of this works. Father, tart in heaven, you know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You know, it's, it's surrender. Henry Blackaby, for all of you experiencing God, folks, Henry Blackaby says, prayer is God's invitation for us to come before him and to learn what is on his heart and to respond. Prayer is your opportunity to come before God, to find out what's on his heart and then to respond. You ever been to one of those meetings, you know, where, uh, you know, everybody's talking about what needs to be done. And at the end of the meeting, you walk out and like, you're the only one with stuff to be done. (laughs) Or you ever been to a meeting with somebody or had a conversation with somebody and y'all talk about a lot of things. And at the end of that conversation, turns out 
you got everything to do and she got nothing to do, you know? You ever had that conversation where, you know, it's just sort of obvious that a whole lot of stuff just got unloaded on you and you walk away, you know? Well, understand, in a conversation between the master and the servant, uh, that, that, you know, those directions flow in one direction. They flow from the master to the servant, you know? So I, I'm just saying, at the end of a, a session in prayer, you're the servant. You should walk away with a sense of what God's wanting you to do. It's not that God's going to walk away with your list of to-dos. You with me? I, I think I've hammered this point enough. I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, you're listening to God. You want to know what's on his heart. You want to know where he's working, and then you want to go join him in that. You want to respond to, to that. Understand, in, in prayer, you want to lay your life on the altar in such a way where when you say, you know, amen, you're going to stand up and, and you will be the answer, at least a part of, the, part of your prayer, you know? You're going to be the answer because God's going to use you. You pray, and then God puts you to work. You know, so often that's exactly what prayer is. <clears throat> it is you, God's servant, you know, listening for orders. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Again, I said that prayer is about dependency. It's about being dependent. And, and everything hangs upon him, right? So, so this, is, this is my voice of dependency saying, God, you got to provide for me. Everything I need for today, it all comes from you. Um, and forgive us our trespasses and forgive us our sins. Let me just say, you're not going to genuinely approach God and not deal with your sin. You're going to have to deal with your sin. If you pray and you never feel that sense of conviction, if, if you never feel that sense of, of how you fall short and that, that desire to come clean before God and experience grace and forgiveness, if that's not a part of your everyday prayer life, then, then you need to grow in this way. Confession needs to be a regular part of your prayer life. In James chapter five, James says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, the prayer of a righteous person. Now, at the same time in second Peter chapter one, we are told that we're given everything we need, everything we need to live a godly life. So it's not that you don't have his righteousness. It's not that you don't have everything you need to, to live a godly life. It's simply that you don't let him have full control. So part of having, giving him full control is learning those parts of your life where you still cling to your own way, the places where you still pursue your own desires, the places where your sin blocks what God is trying to do in your life. That's why confessing and receiving forgiveness and dealing with your sin is such a vital part of your prayer life. Now, now quickly, let me go to the, to the parable here. I love this. Teaching more about prayer, Jesus uses the story. It's frequently called the friend at midnight. You can read the story there for yourself. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's, imagine Jesus says, you go to a friend's house saying, listen, I, I, I need some bread. You know, I got, I got company. Companies just can't know, but they didn't tell me they were coming, but I got a house full of people. I got no food. You know, Jesus says, can you even imagine your friend saying, go away. You know, I'm in bed. You know, my kids are asleep. I can't help you. Now, most scholars believe that, that this little parable in some ways, is intended to be comical. In other words, Jesus is saying something so ridiculous to make you understand it's ridiculous, you know? And the ridiculous part is the idea that your friend, because, see, that's the thing, it's a friend. 
There's a relationship here. Did I mention that prayer is relational and not transactional? It's not, you know, go beat on your friend's door until he gives you bread. You, you know, pray to get. No, no. It's a relationship. You go to your friend and you say, I need bread. I, I need this. Jesus says, you know, can you imagine your friend saying, go away? And that's the funny part. It's like, no, that's my friend. There's a relationship here. He's going to help me. Jesus said, even if he was kind of a no good friend, you know, if you knock long enough, <laughs> if you knock long enough, he'll eventually give you bread to make you go away. I mean, again, Jesus is being comical. He's not saying this is how God is. He's saying if your lamest friend would eventually just give you bread to get you out of his hair, how much more, how much more the God of heaven who loves you enough to die for you, how much more? Will he give you the answer to every prayer? Understand? Is that how much more? I love that part about if you if you knock long enough, if you keep asking long enough, if you just keep on with the, with the friend, you know, keep knocking long enough. At least for friendship's sake, eventually you'll you'll get what you need from him, right? And Jesus goes on to say, it's not just asking you should receive. What Jesus says there is the sense of keep on asking. Seek and, and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking. Like it or not, persistence is a part of prayer. You just got to keep on coming back to God. You ever uh, played around with Google Earth? Those of you with an iPad or computer, uh, you ever just play around with Google Earth? It's pretty amazing. It's, it's you know, Google's whole mapping, you know, program now that <clears throat> literally has close-up views of every inch of the planet, which is, you know, just amazing. So when I go to Google Earth, knowing that I could look at any place on the planet Earth, where, where do I look? You know, I look for my house. <laughs> you know? So I go to Google Earth to look for my house. It's amazing because uh, on Google Earth, you can see my neighbor's house, which, you know, is my brother-in-law and my sister, my, my neighbor's house and then my house. And interestingly, I can see the fence that, that, that runs alongside our lane, but I can also see this other little, very skinny line. It's visible from space, you all, this little skinny line. And then I realize that's Augie's path. Augie's my dog. Augie's my best friend. Augie, if I leave home, she goes to my neighbor's house and watches for me. And then when I come home, she meets me. She runs home with me. She has this, you know, th this habit of just running down the fence. And, and, and she runs home with me every day just to be with me, right? And this is what I'm saying. She runs that same little path. Now, Aggie, you know, don't weigh 30 pounds, you know? She got little bitty feet, you know? And the very thought that that dog could wear a groove in the planet that you could see from outer space. But I'm telling you, that's the power of a path, you know? She didn't do that in one day. She didn't do that in two days. She didn't do that in three days. She beat that path to our house every day. It's, it's over the course of many days. It's actually over the course of that dog's life, you know. And in prayer, it's not like you just go one time and you, and you just, you know, try to, you know, use your prayer to pry something good out of God's hands as if he doesn't really want to give it to you. But if you just pray, you know, get the right prayer, you know, you, you can rent something. No, 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 no. It's um, 
It's, it's like this path you, you beat to God's door. You just keep coming back to him. You, you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking. And, and pretty soon by your prayers, you're going to beat a path to God's door. And, and whether or not your prayer gets what you are asking for, I'm telling you something, that path will be the path that God will travel when he comes and brings you his own self. Do you understand? What you're after in prayer is, is not good things out of God's hands. It's himself. The answer to every one of your prayers is God's own self. God is what you need. And God is enough. And, and I know in some way you don't quite understand that yet. But, but it's personal, not transactional. It's personal. And so in your prayer, what happens is God gives you the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not what Jesus says. Man, if your father in, in, in this world, and, and he may not even been any count, but if you know count father, you know, knows how to give you something good, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father, who's perfect and holy and loves you unconditionally, how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit every time you pray? You understand? The answer to every one of your prayers is God's own self. So we dads, we play this game with our kids, right? Um, we may have some pennies, you know, some goodies in our hand and we sort of hold it out, you know, for our kids. And we play this game where, you know, they try to, you know, pry it out of our fingers. It's, it's, it's just a game and, and, and they're just kids. But sometimes when we pray, we approach prayer in that way. You know, like prayer is the work we have to do or, or it's the words we have to say in order to pry, you know, something good out of God's hands. So we go to God in prayer and, and we say, God, I need a job. God, I, I, I need you to take care of my family. God, God, I, my, my body needs healing. God, I, 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 need, I, I need help financially. God, my, my marriage needs help. God, and, and we pray and we, and we, and we pray and, and we think of prayer as transactional. Like I'm going to pray and get something or, 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 or I'm going to one way or the other, I'm, I'm going to continue to beg and, 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 and plead and I just want you to know that prayer in Jesus' name is it's not really transactional. You don't, you're not praying to get something. I mean, understand. We pray because we're dependent upon him. We got nowhere else to go. So we, we go and we ask. And Jesus says, you ask and you keep on asking. Nothing wrong with asking. You seek him. You just keep on seeking him. And, and you knock and you just keep on knocking. Jesus says, yeah, of, of course that's what we do. Of course we're going to ask God for things. I don't have any, I don't have another, I don't have another heavenly father to ask, you know. I'm dependent upon him. Everything hangs upon him. So, so understand how prayer works. When you pray, God extends his hand. Almost like that game you played with your daddy where you would, you know, try to pry things out of his fingers. And then, and then eventually you'd pry open his hand and, and you'd snatch the pennies and you'd push his hand away and you'd run off, you know, because you got what you wanted. You got the pennies out of God's hands. You, you got the goodies. You got the stuff, right? You got all you wanted out of prayer, which was just, you know, the, the prize that you were seeking. But I want to suggest to you that you should learn to pray differently. When you pray, God reaches out his hand to you. In his hand may be good things for your life, the things you need, the thing you're asking for, but 
Let me tell you something. When you pray, God reaches his hand out to you. So take his hand. You, you take his hand. The answer to every one of your prayers is God's own self. So take his hand. Brothers and sisters, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we confess that everything we have, everything that we are, everything that we need, every breath we take, it comes from you. You are our source and we are completely dependent upon you. We have nowhere else to go. And yet, Lord Jesus, we have nowhere else to go. And yet we continue, Lord, to live these lives of utter prayerlessness. Lord, we don't pray as we should. We don't pray enough. We don't often pray in faith. We often pray as if it's just a way of trying to get you to do something that you might not want to do, but something that we want. Lord, we just pray as if it's all about ourselves. But Lord, will you help us to simply pray our Father, we help us, Lord, just to talk to our Father. We help us, Lord, just simply to learn to know and love you. Help us to pray as servants listening for orders. Help us, Lord, to pray as children who love the Father. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today everything that we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Help us not to yield to temptation or deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 